where Bethesda actually is, a bit of history, hint we travel to Jerusalem, and the big questions we face living here, such as where to grab lunch on a full day and what to do in Bethesda aside from eat. We're not DC, we're Bethesda, actually. Hi listeners, my name is Raj Parohan, and I'm the host of the Bethesda Actually podcast. Welcome to our first episode. Let me start by saying that our goal for this podcast is to become the number one neighborhood podcast and community news service for the wonderful town of Bethesda, Maryland. We really appreciate you joining us at the start of our journey. We're thrilled to be launching this podcast for the community and want to make sure that we develop a service that is useful and that the people of Bethesda feel they have a stake in. In a sense, we see this podcast as something that is by, for, and about the community of Bethesda, Maryland. If you have any feedback, questions, or comments, you can easily reach us at 240-486-3921 or at www.bethesdaactuallypod.com. You can also find us on Twitter at BethesdaPod. Again, that's at Bethesda Pod. As this is our first episode, and recognizing that some of our listeners may not be from Bethesda, we wanted to take a few minutes and give you a bit of background on our town. Firstly, let's tackle the geography question. Where is Bethesda situated? Where are our boundaries? Simple enough answer, I hear those of you who live here say. Well, it's not so simple. According to the US Census Bureau, via Wikipedia, The total area for Bethesda is 13.2 square miles outside D.C. at the start of the Maryland suburbs. Okay, that doesn't really tell us too much, but maybe this will. The main commercial corridor that runs through Bethesda is Maryland Route 355, known as Wisconsin Avenue in Bethesda and as Rockville Pike and Hungerford Drive in more northern communities. The area commonly known as Downtown Bethesda is centered at the intersection of Wisconsin Avenue, Old Georgetown Road, and East-West Highway. Other key focal points of downtown Bethesda include the Woodmont Triangle, my office is right around the corner from there, bordered by Old Georgetown Road, uh, Maryland Route 187, Woodmont and Rugby Avenues, and Bethesda Row, which is centered at the intersection of Woodmont and Bethesda Avenue. Now, much of the dense construction, which seems to go on forever in that area, Followed the opening of the Bethesda Station, it is the centerpiece of the Bethesda Metro development. The Medical Center Metro stop lies about 0.7 miles north of Bethesda. Medical Center serves the NIH campus, Walter Reed Medical Center, and the Uniformed Services University of the Health Services. The surrounding neighborhoods are part of Bethesda, and together it is one of the most popular inner suburbs in the country. Okay, that probably helps a bit more. We'll try and tweet out a couple of maps to complete the picture. Now, I want to shift gears a bit and give you some background of a different kind. My good friend Tom Moran, who co-founded a blog on Bethesda with me many years ago, once wrote a delightful short post titled Darcy's Store, A Short History of Bethesda. If I could ask for your indulgence, I'll take a couple of moments to read a bit of this wonderful piece, 
Tom, as you'll see, really does have a way with words. Like many hamlets since swallowed up in a burgeoning metropolitan area, Bethesda's roots are rather humble. A typical, outlying settlement, Bethesda began life as a small collection of buildings alongside a busy road that had once been a Native American trail. The town's viability was cemented in the early 19th century when the through fare was converted into a toll road called the Wisconsin and Rockville Turnpike, transporting tobacco and other commodities between Georgetown and Rockville and up to Frederick. Around the toll and a solitary store, a small settlement grew up that would one day become Bethesda. Originally named Darcy's Store, after local business owner William E. Darcy, the growing town acquired its definitive name in 1871, when postmaster Robert Frank named it after the Bethesda Meeting House, a Presbyterian church built in 1820. The church burned down in 1849, but was rebuilt the same year on an adjacent site where it stands to this day. And as an aside, if you happen to be in the area, it's well worth a visit. The church in turn took its name from the biblical Pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem, a place associated with healing. Probably fitting that we have NAH around the corner. In ancient Greek manuscripts, the name of the pool is often mistaken for that of the New Testament town Bethesda, described as a desert place, and believed by scholars to be the possible location where Jesus fed the 5,000. The origin of the church's name has led to a common misconception that the town took its name directly from the pool of Bethesda. Many villages grew up around crossroads, many hubs where travelers congregated before continuing in their different directions, and Bethesda was no different. Straddling across roads for most of the 19th century, the town was little more than a blacksmith, post office, church, school, some houses, and a few stores. But that was set to change after the turn of the 20th century, when the newly installed streetcar line connected Bethesda to the nearby District of Columbia. This enabled suburbanization to take hold, with the neighborhoods of Battery Park, Woodmont, Drummond and Edgemore springing up on farmland adjacent to the turnpike. Well-to-do men like Merle Thorpe built mansions in fine grounds and helped found the Woodmont Country Club, now on land occupied by the National Institutes of Health. Thorpe's home, Pooks Hill, accommodated the exiled Norwegian royal family during World War II. Pooks Hill was inspired by Rudyard Kipling's 1906 story, Puck of Pooks Hill. Puck was the mischievous sprite of English folklore, also known as Robin Goodfellow, who is thought to have lent his name to the popular outlaw Robin Hood, or Robin of the Greenwood. Nevertheless, it is a fun injection into Bethesda's otherwise biblical heritage. The rapid expansion of government during World War II correlated to a rapid expansion of Bethesda, with the National Naval Medical Center in 1939 and NIH in 1953 built north of the downtown. As a result, medical professionals, government contractors, and business people have flocked to the area. Bethesda has since become the core employment hub of southwestern Montgomery County, with many of its workers traveling from Washington, D.C., and vice versa. Major companies headquartered here today include defense giant Lockheed Martin, Merritt International, Honest Tea, and Ritz-Carlton. Honest Tea is one that we're really excited about, and we hope to cover it a lot more in a future episode.
That was a fun short history, and maybe we'll tweet out a link to that post later. Now, I'd like to take a couple of moments to introduce a podcast feature we call What to Do in Bethesda Aside from Eat. Now, that's a bit tongue-in-cheek, of course. Bethesda has so many wonderful places to eat. There is no doubt that the easy default when thinking about what to do includes a review of breakfast, brunch, lunch, and dinner options. Let me be clear. Here at Bethesda, actually, we are 100% supportive of that idea. We love breaking bread with friends and family throughout our lovely community. That being said, we also feel as if there is more to do in and around Bethesda apart from just eating, and we want to try and bring you some of those ideas as well. For this week, I want to talk about an event that is on my list of things to do. It is called the One Day Hike, sponsored by Sierra Club. It comprises two concurrent, non-competitive hikes of 150 kilometers that follow the CNO Canal Toth Path and end in Bolivar, West Virginia. The 100-kilometer event, the 100K, starts at 3 a.m. from the Thompson Boat Center parking lot in Georgetown, Washington, D.C. The 50-kilometer hike, the 50K, starts at 10 a.m. from White's Ferry in Montgomery County. Both hikes proceed along the towpath, crossing the footbridge into Harper's Ferry after mile marker 60, ending at the Bolivar Community Center. Hikers have until midnight to complete either hike. All hikers must pre-register and are required to sign in at the start. During the hike, they pass through support stations, manned by volunteers, where they are logged in and out, provided with food and drink, and if necessary, first aid. While on the trail, they are monitored by volunteer bike patrols, and volunteers can assist hikers that drop out before the end. Hikers that do finish get a 100k or 50k patch to recognize their accomplishment. The one-day hike may well be the Mid-Atlantic region's oldest long-distance hike, the 100k having been held since 1974, and the 50k since 2000. All but 1.5 miles of each hike take place within the CNO Canal National Historic Park. Hikers then walk through part of the Harpers Ferry National Historic Park before finishing at Bolivar. I've been super keen to take part in the one-day hike. For me, the challenge has been the time for preparation that seems crucial to conduct it in a safe and successful way. It doesn't seem like an easy thing to do, but it could be wonderfully rewarding. I'll keep you posted and let you know if I do actually sign up this year. And if you're inspired to do so, please let us know via Twitter at BethesdaPod. Now, I've got to be honest with you. One of the things I love about Bethesda is the range of cafes, restaurants, and the like that we have. So I thought it'd be quite fun to have a fun little foodies portion to our podcast. But instead of being simply a restaurant review... I want to connect it to the weather, the time of year, or other such things for each episode. For this, our inaugural one, I feel as if we're in that really interesting spot in the fall where the days can drift from the 50s to the 70s, which is quite fun when plotting out where to get a bite to eat. So, here are my tips for early fall lunchtime nibbles. After much research, in third place is Satsuma a delightful Japanese restaurant on Norfolk Avenue in the area that was once affectionately known as Old Bethesda. What I like about Satsuma is that there are a range of terrific dishes, soups and drinks that you can tailor to the fall season. Starter soups such as their lovely miso can go quite nicely with bento boxes with salmon teriyaki. 
bigger noodle soup entrees if the day has a bit more of a chill, some sushi with a seaweed salad and side of miso soup if it's a warmer day, an excellent green tea that seems to include lots of refills, round out a very nice meal. In second place, I'd probably put Kepnos, a nice place for a lunch with a menu that can tilt easily towards the warmer or cooler climes depending on the day. They have an express lunch as well, which works if you're a bit short of time. And in first place, for in between fall weather, I'd probably have to go with Jetties. Nice service, simple fare, and a combination of soup, salad, sandwiches, and ice cream. That works pretty well when you aren't sure if the weather is going to be 50 or 70. And if the weather's on the warmer side, you can sit outside Veterans Triangle and watch the world go by. Would love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to tweet them to us. Where would you like to have lunch during the early part of the fall? Remember, we're at Bethesda Pod. Again, we're at Bethesda Pod. Now, after a spot of lunch, it does seem to be a good idea to go for a little walk. My favourite park in the area, almost a pocket park really, is Battery Lane Park, which sits at the end of Norfolk Avenue, and as you'd suspect, connects to Battery Lane. I love taking a stroll around that park, and it also includes a toddler-friendly playground, basketball court, and tennis court, which makes it a lively place. Now, I wanted to bring it up on this pod, because we've just found out that the park and the trolley trail portion that cuts through it will be undergoing significant renovations from late fall to the summer of 2019, which will make it really difficult to use for a proper stroll. Battery Park has actually been in the news a fair bit recently, and some say it has been the site of a metaphorical battle between developer efforts and the local community. There was a proposal a couple of years ago to put a road through the park for odd reasons, namely safety and that sort of thing, despite the fact that lots of toddlers, young children use the park. The community really responded well. Dog groups, mums groups, local uh, daycares all got engaged, pushed back and said the park is a very important institution and shouldn't have a road go through it, and luckily the local authorities listened. The new plan seems better, although there are still concerns that the extension of the path will see bikes speeding through in an unsafe manner. We'll try to tweet out the new plans at Bethesda Pod, but if you've got any thoughts, we'd also love to hear from you. Well, listeners, I think our inaugural episode is about to wrap up. I've really enjoyed giving you a bit of background on Bethesda, a dash of history on the town that was once called Darcy's Store, and a flavor of things to do in and around our lovely community. We can't wait to bring you our next episode. Until then, don't forget you can find our podcast at www.bethesdaactuallypod.com and please follow us at Twitter at BethesdaPod. Thanks very much and enjoy the rest of your day.